Good morning, everybody. Um, this is, uh, how many of you guys like Thai food? You guys, Thai food people? Um, how many of you guys are like two star, three star people? Zero stars. How many of you guys are five star people? You like it spicy and hot. A few five stars? All right, you guys came on a five star Sunday. It's warm. And uh, it's, uh, hopefully the preaching will make it hotter, but it might be the sun. Um, I'm so glad you're here. I want to welcome you. If this is your first time to Whitewater, this is a place you can belong before you believe, meaning you can explore faith. We want you to build relationships even before maybe you believe or agree with what I, I, I believe and what our church believes. Uh, we want to help people move forward on their spiritual journey. That's our goal. And so um, today we're going to be talking about something. I'm going to be really honest. I, I kind of had a plan going into this week, what we were going to preach on. And uh, kind of like Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Uh, it's been that kind of a week uh, for me and for our church. And God's hand is at work. God is helping and healing and doing some incredible things in the midst of some very hard and unexpected stuff going on in life in our church. And so I just want to let you guys know that this sermon, I'm going to try to stick to some of my outline, but I just want to speak to the heart. Some of you guys know... Um, um, the hardship that the Wenzel family is going through with the, their daughter Lily and uh, the fact that she was born uh, with her um, umbilical cord around her neck uh, didn't didn't have enough oxygen uh, and was born and they didn't realize it at the time septic and it's been a it has been a really hard week and every opportunity for the worst to happen somehow God has kept that little girl alive and she's fighting for her life and our community is coming together in prayer. And, and we're just going to talk about really how God helps us through these storms. Can I just say a word of prayer and we'll begin? Heavenly Father, thank you for each heart that has entered this room. You've brought us here for a purpose. Uh, Lord, on this five-star Sunday, uh, would you speak directly to our hearts? Open our hearts, Lord. Would you take away the static? Would you take away the noise? Would you would you calm the storm that's going on internally so that we can hear from you? Jesus, we want to know your love. We want to experience your love personally, Lord, so that you can transform us and turn us into the people you designed us to be. Encourage, inspire, challenge those who are here. And Lord, would you speak to us in Jesus' name, amen. So I want to jump right into our text. Um, this week is in Matthew chapter 8, uh, verses 23 through 27. You can pull out your Bible, your um, Bible app. You can follow along behind me on the screen. Um, but this speaking about Jesus and his disciples, starting in verse 23, says this. As he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a, a violent storm arose on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples uh, came and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to die. And he said to them, leave me alone. No, I'm just kidding. He said, why are you afraid? You have little faith. Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Now, to give a little bit of context for this story, um, this is on the Sea of Galilee. It's a really big lake. And a lot of fish 
uh, were in this and are still in this. I've actually had the privilege of being on this lake and taking boat rides and having been there. And it's really interesting, the geographical uh, nature of this area have, have, have created basically a wind tunnel around this lake. Um, it, it has kind of foothills and mountains that lead to the Golan Heights. And there's winds that can come down and storms can start in an instant. I mean, in a matter of moments, a storm can hit this place. And it could look placid. It could look uh, like the perfect day. And then the winds come and the lake becomes a, um, becomes a really scary mess. And so when this happens, the context is they're in Galilee. One of these storms is hitting. It's sudden. It's unexpected. They didn't know it was coming. They didn't see it coming. And the other context to this is that Jesus' disciples, many of them were actually fishermen. They'd been trained their whole lives. They'd been born uh, fishermen families. That was their trade. They were apprentices growing up. And they knew the lake. They were born on the water. They were, they were like, they grew up in boats. They grew up knowing the fish. And in this, this storm in particular is so violent and so sudden, you have experienced tradesmen, fishermen that are freaking out. I mean, they're losing it. And they come to Jesus saying, would you save us? It was such a violent storm. And that, I, I hope that gives you a little bit of the context for this. And in verse 24, it says, suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea. And the boat was being swamped by the waves. They were starting to go under by the waves. And there's this reality that there's a suddenness to a storm. And I'm looking out today, I wonder how many of you guys have been in or are headed into a storm, or like my dad says, or leaving a storm. He says you're either headed into one, you're in the middle of it, or you're heading out. If you're heading out, you're actually heading toward another one. I'm like, Dad, that's so uplifting. That's why I'm a pastor, son. Um, I wonder what storms you have been experiencing. Um, When we started this series uh, on a full life, we were really trying to ask the question, how do we help prepare our church this summer, going into the fall, to just just, um, maybe take some time to to have soul care, to help their soul... um, find healing or rest? How do we have more rest and less stress? How do we have more joy? How do we become a community that's like, that where people are struggling with joy in our culture and our world, that we're plugging into the source of joy and that we're being filled with joy and that our community and that our lives are actually giving joy to other people. We're like lights in the darkness. What would it look like to have a summer like that? And so we started planning this and little did we know that this week we would have a storm that people are going through, actually multiple storms. Little did we know that this week we'd have, you know, someone who goes into uh, to surgery to remove cancer. Little did we know that we had someone else going to, like multiple people going in for surgeries. Uh, mental uh, uh, breakdowns in people's families that they're dealing with where there's a mental illness that flares up and, and they're having to deal with something that, they, that they're trying to figure out, like how do we deal with this? Or, or addictions breaking. We've just been, we've had our whole community have storms kind of set in. Little did we know as we uh, planned and had uh, my friend Ryan come last week and preach on joy in the middle of, of hardship and him share his story of how they've uh, found joy in the Lord even when it's been really hard on their family, uh, having to um, help guide and take care of um, a family member who's, who has uh, severe special needs. I don't know if you guys were there for this. It was just, he shared about how do you have joy in the midst of that 
Little did we know when, when I had Randy Deal Sr. come to teach on prayer, that he would teach us push. Pray until something happens. Pray uh, uh, persistently. Pray specifically. Pray with expectation. Little did we know when we, when we talked the week before that about having deep roots. Learning to have deep roots so that when the winds come, the storms come, the floods come, that like the tree of your life doesn't just get uh, pulled down river. It stays grounded. It stays rooted. Like we didn't know any of that stuff. We didn't know that the Wenzels would have their little girl, Lily Joy, born septic, fighting for her life. Um, friends, God has been preparing our church for this time. We've had multiple people say that. We've had our whole community come around this. And what I want to talk to you guys about today is how do we make it through the storms? And when a storm hits, I don't know if you guys have ever been a storm. Um, how many of you guys have been like a real storm? I mean, lightning, th- I mean, thunderheads, or maybe even some of you guys might, maybe from, um, you know, the Southwest, you guys know like, you know, um, there's anything from hurricanes, tornadoes. The weather can be out of control. And when a storm hits, it clarifies what's important. It clarifies what's important and what's not important. It clarifies what you really need and what you really don't need. It clarifies what you need versus what you want. We live in a day and age where like we all, you know, everything's so easy. It's just one click away, one swipe away, one one just moment away and I've got friends and family that are so like tech savvy I mean they love working on their phones and you know I love working on my phone but when the internet goes down the rage that comes into people's hearts and faces you've seen this like uh, the wi-fi rage when the wi-fi is low it's not fast enough I have to wait it goes back to like aol days and you're just like are you kidding me like this is not fast enough I need it instantaneous I'm switching carriers. Oh, I can't switch carriers because there's no competition. What is going on? You know, people are so angry. And um, when you go through a storm, it clarifies what we should really be upset about and what we shouldn't be, doesn't it? What's really important. Storms also have power to them. There's a ferocity and a power to them. When you've seen a real storm um, hit, and they, re- they reveal how powerless we really are. I can't control a storm. You can't control a storm. Like, when we go through a storm in life, it reveals how little control we have. And we spend all our lives with our devices and with our friendships and with our, our education and with our businesses trying to maintain control, trying to have everything kind of fit the way we want it to fit. And, and one thing about storms is that it reveals how little power we have, how we don't really have control, even though we're fighting for it. And when that happens, I think it, it, it can begin a path to realizing how much we need a God who actually has control and actually is in control and is more powerful than the most powerful storm. I, I, I heard this illustration recently, um, and it just stuck with me. In Colorado and in Wyoming, when the storms will thunder in off the plain and they'll move in fast. That the cattle in the area, like they'll sense it, their instincts know it. They'll turn and run away from the storm. So as the storm is coming in and rolling in, they'll run with it. So as they're running, the, the storm is moving with them. And they prolong the amount of time they're in the, the storm. The, they prolong the, the, the thundering, the lightning, and the hail. And they, they, they prolong the storm that they're in. Now, bison or buffalo in that same area 
when the thunderheads come rolling in, their instincts are different. They actually turn toward the thunder, they turn toward the storm, and they run straight at it. So as the storm comes, they run through it, not with it. We all react a certain way when the storms of life hit. We want to avoid, we want to try to go around, we try to run away from. Some of us have learned to trust in the Lord and run through the storm. In Jesus' case, he gets these disciples, they come in the boat with him. And oftentimes when we think, hey, when we start following Jesus, there's this like erroneous belief, erroneous theology that sometimes people will believe that like once I start following Jesus, all the storms of my life will just go, will just go calm and just, they'll disappear and everything's going to be placid and nice and, and I'll get these special things that I want. And in fact, God kind of owes me because, well, he just owes me because of how good I am and what I do and all that kind of stuff. And it's an erroneous way of thinking because here's the reality. When you start following Jesus, he leads you through storms. His disciples jump in the boat, it says, and then the storm hit. Like a storm like they've never seen before. There's almost like this demonic power behind this thing. And they're like, whoa, I did not sign up for this. I didn't realize this is what was going to be the case. And so when you when you start following Jesus, do not be surprised when he takes you through the storms. But here's the beauty. Um, Jesus isn't going to just take you away from the storms. He's not going to run with, you know, like encourage you to run with the storm so it keeps showering with you. He wants to run through it, but he's with you. So how do you deal with the storms in your life? I want to give you three things that I think are necessary, three truths that I think are necessary to make it through the storms that life throws at us. Whether it's addiction, it's mental illness, it's... um, Things way outside of our control, our health, no matter what it is, this is, these are things that help us get through the storm. The first, uh, I'll just give you the three, you might want to put these down in your notes, is we, we need Christ's people, we need Christ's presence, and we need Christ's power. I want to start with the first one, Christ's presence, we need Him. In verse 23 it says, as He got into the boat, Speaking of Jesus, his disciples followed him, plural, his community of leaders followed him. They were together with Jesus. We're not designed to do life alone. We're not designed to go through storms alone. Some of us are like, well, I'm an island, I'm a rock, I can handle all this. Some of us, that's the coping mechanisms we've been handed. For some of us, that's just the coping mechanism we've created. Whatever it may be. We try to do things on our own. We're not designed to carry the weight of a storm. You're in a boat on your own. It's not going to go well when a real storm hits. As you think you've built it to last, but I'm telling you, you do not know some of the storms that can hit your life. When I was talking with Brandon Wenzel this week, their little girl, um, Lily Joy, is in the hospital. And, and it has just been a fight since she has been born. The doctors didn't think she would make it the, the night. They send her up to uh, Seattle um, Children's Hospital up, up, in, um, up next to UW. And, and they've got the best uh, doctors in the world working with her. 
And, and every step, like, it almost seems like every day there's these multiple hurdles that have come up. If this doesn't happen, if they don't find a pick line to begin flushing the, the infection out, she's not going to make it. We need to get it in an hour. If her organs don't start showing some signs of improvement, if we don't cool her body down quickly enough, if she doesn't respond to this, if she doesn't show neurological responses, like this is over, this is over. I mean, it's every step of the way, it's just been like, this is out of my control. This is out of the Wenzel's control. No one uh, no one can do anything about it. Even the doctors are like, we're just hoping. We're doing our best. We're creating an environment we're hoping she'll respond to. But, but it was really bleak. And every step of the way, God has been answering prayer. And His power, like every step of the way. Where there's an hour left, a window for her to survive. And God has come through. And Brandon, when I was talking with him yesterday, um, we met to pray he said, make sure you tell them, make sure you tell our church that has been so faithful and so amazing. Let them know how important community is. He's like, I couldn't imagine going through this without our community, without people who are praying with us. It, it, this, this has sparked people's faith and support in ways that are just blowing me away. My, my own prayer life is growing because of this. Like we have people that are praying for the Wenzels ceaselessly. We, and they, not just their family, which is praying for them. Um, not just our church. Not just churches in Pierce County. Not just churches in Washington. Not just churches in America. But churches globally. There's like a there's a orphanage in India that are praying for little Lily. There's a, a, a church I heard that's in Portugal praying for Lily, praying for this family. The church is rising up. If we are going to make it through the storm of life, we have to realize we're in the boat together. We're in this together. No one's going to go through a storm alone. We're not going to allow it. We're Christ's people. And where Christ is, is where his people are at. And Jesus is always right in the midst of the storm with us. Brandon said, make sure they know how important it is to have community, Christ's community. And I got to tell you, there's, there's their community group. We have these things called community groups. It functions like a family, like a spiritual family. And these families um, have come together and they've been blessing and, and surrounding and supporting the ones. So we, we did a prayer vigil um, this week for, for Lily where they, got, they gathered over 50 people came out uh, at an inconvenient time because we just needed to pray. It was like at 530. Some people hadn't gotten over, off work. But all these people came out and they worshiped and they prayed recognizing we can't do anything we need you and people christ people came together and prayed and that was one of their community group members one of their friends orchestrated that that's the church being the church doesn't our world need more of that and we had someone put a gofundme together because the week before uh lily came was born and was fighting for her life the week before they had their whole sewer back up into their uh, into their basement and ruined the whole the whole basement and their house was insured but the line the sewer line isn't and so it was thousands of dollars and Brandon's I just can't believe this happened and then when when Lily's born her her, her life is immediately uh, is on the on the brink and they've just thing after thing and and now there's uh, there's a group of guys right now I believe there are people at their house working to to rebuild their house to rebuild what was broken. We have people that are putting that together. There's people who put GoFundMe together. Like, it is just amazing 
Don't do life alone. If you're not in a community group, you don't have a spiritual family, get a spiritual family. Bring it together. Join one. Don't do life alone. Brandon said there's people at the children's hospital that are going through terrible loss, that are going through just as bad as they are. And he says it's so sad to him because he'll see families that have no one with them. Could you imagine going through the loss of a, of a child with ha- and having no one? They had a social worker come to them and say, hey, I'm, I'm here to help you guys. But after a little while, the social worker was like, they've got an amazing support network. They've got an amazing community. So she went and started helping people who didn't. And they, they have to pay and hire people to be community for many people in our world because they don't have the depth of friendship. They don't have Christ's people. I get an amen? Christ's presence. This is the second thing. Christ's presence. Make sure you have Jesus in the boat. Make sure you're not in a boat on your own. Make sure Jesus is there as you go through the storm. It says in verse 25, the disciples came and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to die. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? You have little faith. That was probably not the response they were looking for. You have little faith. Like, Jesus, just do something. Just do something. And here, here they are, their little band of disciples in the Middle East in this little lake. At this time, religious people didn't like them. The Roman Empire didn't care about them nor like them. And they're in this boat with Jesus. And the storm hits and they turn to Jesus. And their faith has gone down. They've watched him heal. They've watched him cast out demons. They've been with Jesus. And all of a sudden, they're realizing that this man with them is a little different than who they, than who they thought he was. A little bit more powerful. They have a little bit more need for him than they realize. But how many of you notice when the storm's power goes up, often our faith goes down? I hate to admit this as your pastor, but there's times when, when the storm rises, like my faith has a tendency to take some dips because I get so focused on the storm, I forget who's in the boat with me. Do not forget, Christians, people of faith, who is in the boat with you. Who's in your life. If Christ is in the boat with you, you have the creator of the heavens and the earth. You have the one who spoke existence into being. And he has power over the storm. Do you remember that when you're going through the storm? How, many t- how easy is it to forget that? And here's the reality. When you are in a boat going through the storm, there's other people in other boats in life... This is just the reality, and they don't have Jesus there, and they're watching the people who have Jesus in their boat to see how they react when the storm comes. Because it's easy to have faith and talk about faith when you're not in the middle of a storm. Are you guys with me? And we are called to be people who have faith, even if it's little faith, that we're willing to cry out to Jesus, Lord, save me, or save my friend, and save my child, save their child. Would you help this person? Would you be with them? Would you, would you be in it with them, God? Would they know it? Would they feel his, your presence, God? We're to be that, those kind of people because people are watching. People are watching Brandon and Abby's faith. I had a friend, Nick, who says, man, I, I was full of faith at the beginning of this. And then when, it, when I realized like, that they just kept on being step after step and it just seemed so dark and all the doctors were saying for Lily Joy, it was going to be like climbing Mount Rainier. I mean, it was just going to be an arduous and, and they couldn't give much hope. He's like, my faith went down. 
But then I kept watching Brandon and Abby and their faith started increasing in the face of the storm. Instead of shrinking, they started crying out more to God. He's like, all of a sudden I saw that. He saw what was going on in their boat and he all of a sudden he realized what he had in his boat and he started, his face started rising. We need each other and we need Christ's presence. A word about Christ's presence that I think is very, very important. Sometimes, let me ask you, have you ever felt like you can't feel God's presence? Have you ever gone through a dry period where you're like, God, where are you? I don't feel you. I don't emotionally, I don't feel emotionally connected. I can't see you at work. Like, I don't see you in this situation. I don't feel you. I don't hear you. I don't hear your voice. Like, God, where are you in this? Sometimes God's presence has been removed or back, he's backed off because he wants you to grow. See, God is interested in who you are becoming. He's a father who wants you to become a person filled with joy and love. A person that's able to make wise decisions, free decisions, so that you decide to be like him. He doesn't want to force you and make you become a robot that does the things that God makes you do. He wants you to become a child who learns to be like the father. And like with my daughter, here's what happens, uh, if I could give this illustration, is when I'm training her with her bike, that's been the recent thing, we got training wheels and everything, but when she first got on that, she didn't know what she was doing at all, so I had my hand on the seat, moms and dads, have you done this, hands on the seat, and then I I put my hand on her back so she knew I was there. And we would just walk forward, and I'd start running, start jogging, and I'd remove my hand, she'd be like, Dad, and put my hand back there, and she knew I was there, she could feel my presence, and then I'd take it off, because I'm trying to get her to ride the bike on her own. I don't mind running with her, but I want her to grow. And I would remove my hand, Dad, and finally put my hand. And then she got confident enough that when I removed it, she was fine. She looked back every once in a while, and I have the seat, and I'm helping her. And then at some point where she got confident enough and competent enough, I let go of the seat and let her go. And I still was walking. I was staying close enough. There was a disaster or there was some need of help. I was close enough to rush in, but I wanted her to learn how to ride the bike. How many of us like, like have, have maybe made the mistake of thinking that God's lack of immediate presence is like his removal of blessing or he's not there and his, he doesn't care and he, he doesn't have compassion on me when maybe God has been developing you into the free, loving, joy-filled human being he's designed you to be. And when you cry out, he's close. He comes. If you need him, he comes. He'll be there. But he, sometimes that presence is allowing you to flourish. My daughter with the dark, it's the same thing. Like, there's moments in the darkness where, like, she was scared of the dark. So me and my wife would be in there until she's starting to fall asleep. And then we'd start to cr- try to creep out. And then I'd step on a Lego. Ah! Dad, are you still there? Yes. Go sit back again. And she couldn't even see me, but just hearing my voice. Okay, you're present. You're present. But even when we leave that room, we're just down the hall. We're not gone. God's presence is with us, friends. We need His presence. Can I get an amen? It says in the book of Isaiah, Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Verse 2, I will be with you. When you pass through the waters, when you go through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire and the flame will not burn you. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. God's promise is always to be with us. Always to be with us. Even if we don't feel it, He's there. He's in the boat. Are we willing to cry out? My wife 
mentioned this to me, and I, I didn't say this to the other service, but one of the things when we're when we're in the storm and we're in pain and we're hurting and we don't understand and we're angry maybe, is one of the ways we we access the presence of God is sharing how we're feeling. We God can handle if you're angry let him have it. I'm angry about this. Or if you're in pain, I'm hurting here. Cry out to him. He longs to hear your cries. He is a good father. Like, like, allow yourself to grieve. Allow yourself to open up. Because God is present. And when, when we have his presence, it ushers in his power. When we have God's presence, we recognize it and we cry out for it. It ushers in his power. And we serve a powerful God, a good God. Verse 26 says, Then Jesus got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Jesus was more than what they thought he was. He was greater than who he thought he was. And even the winds and sea obey him. They said, like, we thought he was big, but he's like way bigger than we thought. Many of us, we think like our faith is developed by like knowing more and information and studying the Bible. Like that's the primary way we're gonna, our faith is going to grow and we're going to mature. Some of us think like, oh, by, by exercising our gifts, discovering our gifts, and just knowing how, how gifted we are and talented we are, and maybe leading people and having the ability to tell people what to do, that's what matures us, and that's what grows our faith. But the reality, friends, is all that is is, uh, is just like, you, <laughs> you might know a lot of things, but have no faith, not have to exercise any faith. When you're going through a storm, you're, you're realizing you're powerless, but really, really smart. Or you're powerless, but you're really, really talented. You can be immature and know a lot. You can be immature and, and be really gifted. But it doesn't mean you're growing and your faith is growing. The way we grow, the best way we grow is in a dynamic relationship with God, knowing His presence, and experiencing the storms of life with Jesus. How many of you guys can say that God has grown you most when you've gone through the storm and you've relied on God? When you're about to lose something or somebody and you can't do anything and you have to trust in him, that is where we begin to grow and our faith grows and our trust grows. It's through the storms, it's through the scars, it's through the hardships. God shapes us, he changes us. The hardest moment if you notice this in this passage, the hardest moment is the gap. Do you notice this? The gap between the disciples crying out, Jesus, will you save us? The gap between there, the cry, and the calming of the sea. There's this gap when they, when they say, Jesus, save us. And Jesus says, well, you've got little faith. They're like, we don't care. Just save us. There's a gap between the crying out and the calm. And some of us might be in a storm or have been in storms where we have cried out to the Lord and maybe there was an immediate response and God calmed the seas. It's like, yes and amen. But I'd say many more of us might have experienced storms where we cry out and then we cry out and then we cry out and we're in this gap between crying out and the actual calming of the storm. And, and my friends, Abby and, and Brandon have been in the storm. It started on Monday. 
They were expecting joy and being able to meet their little one and spend time with her and hold her. And, they, and she had to be taken away and, and, and hooked up to devices to keep her life going. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. And they don't know what's going on and how terrifying that is. And every step of the way, there's just been this obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And, and they've been crying out. There's a whole community around the world crying out that God would move. But it's just been this like little step, little step, little, and the, the storm has not fully been calmed. And it's in the gap where we really learn to pray. It's in the gap where we really learn to praise God. Because it's easy to praise God when we're out of the storm. It's really hard to praise Him when everything's going wrong. And we're scared out of our minds like the disciples. And our faith is shrinking. It's really hard to pray prayers of faith when it feels hopeless. And I'll never forget this. Going to the hospital, seeing Brandon and Abby, just going up and embracing him, hugging them. I mean, there just weren't words. It's on Tuesday and their family was there and they were told that we have an hour to get the pick line in. If we don't get the pick line in, we can't get the antibiotics. We can't get the uh, the coagulant for the blood to be able to coagulate. We can't, we're, we're not get, able to get her what she needs if we can't get a pick line. We've got an hour window. And we're searching, but we can't find it. The best in the world are saying this. Brandon and Abby can't do anything. The family can't do anything. I can't do anything except pray. Ask for God's power. And so we just got on our knees in this little room and I like I, literally on our knees, Brandon and Abby on their knees, not caring what anybody thought of them. I'm just like, like from the gut crying out to God, would you spare our little one? Would you, would you protect her? Would you bring her, uh, her back? Help them find the pick line. Would you, would you, would you be with our daughter? And it was, it was so amazing. I, I, I won't forget hearing Brandon say this, Lord, as long as there's air in her lungs, as long as her heart is going, we pray that you would save her. But Lord, if she's taken from us, we will still praise you. That's faith. That's faith. It's really hard to be in the gap, isn't it? But that's where we need Christ's people to surround us and lift us up. That's where we need to let others and receive love from Christ's people. That's where we need to focus on Christ's presence and cry out to Him. And that's where we need most of all God's power. Even if the outcome's different. Brandon was saying, maybe the outcome's not going to be what I want. Maybe I'll see my daughter someday on the other side of heaven. And God, I praise you and I love you. I don't want that, but I will accept it because I know you're good. And I know you have a plan. But God, while she's got breath in her lungs, I'm asking you to do this miracle. I'm praying. Reminds me of the story in uh, the book of Mark. It says this, when Jesus had crossed the, the lake again and with the boat and he was on the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him by the sea. One of the, one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He fell at his feet. This is a religious leader who's on the other side, hates Jesus. He's part of a group that doesn't like Jesus or threatened by Jesus, want to undo Jesus and his ministry and end up killing Jesus. And he's supposed to be on the side of all the, the Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders. And here this, this leader is and his, he falls at Jesus' feet and listen to this. He, it's the most amazing moment. 
It says he fell at Jesus' feet and begged him earnestly, my little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. He knows that the only one that can help, the Pharisees and Sadducees can't heal her. And God is at work in this man. He probably doesn't even fully understand Jesus, but he knows that he can heal his little girl. And it says that Jesus got up and went with him. And my friend Brandon, my friend Abby, were crying out like Jairus. Lord, would you put your hands on our daughter? Would you heal her? Guys, I don't know tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen with Lily Joy. But I do know that every step of the way, at every window where it was like her life was hanging in the balance, God has come through. God has saved. He's opened the pick line. He's begun to allow her organs to begin starting to work. And, and, and we're still praying that, that God would heal every ounce of her body. But we don't know what will happen tomorrow. But in the gap, we pray for God's power. In the gap, we praise God for His goodness. Because whether we're in the storm or out of the storm, God's goodness is good. He doesn't change. So what I want to ask us to do is to pray and to, pr- and to praise God. Pray for Lily, to pray for it. Maybe you're in a storm right now and you haven't shared it with anybody. Uh, to take time to receive prayer. To take time with the Lord. To be in God's people. Open your life to God's people. Open your life to God's presence. Open your life to receive His power. He's the only one that can help you in a helpless and hopeless situation. Amen? And so let's pray and praise Him. We're going to be singing a song that's become an anthem Abby posted it. It's a song that, that was comforting to her and to their family, and they posted it, and I've been listening to it, to it all week. And there is power when God's people come together in God's presence and praise Him and lift Him up. People are watching, not only the one souls, they're watching people of faith. Do we really believe that we have a God who is a healer, that a God who is good, a God who is creator? Do we really believe it? And will we praise Him like it? So would you guys be willing to do that today? To praise together? I mean, I know it's warm. I know it's a you know, five-star hot Sunday. But would we, would we praise together? This is a new song the band's going to do. Uh, I'm going to pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I just want to pray through this verse. Psalms 107, 26. Prophetically, hundreds of years before Jesus being in the boat with the disciples said this. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged against the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and they staggered like drunkards and they were at their wits end. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. So let them praise the Lord for his great love. And for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nations. We praise you, God. We praise you. We praise you. And we ask for your power in our life. And Lord, would, would anyone here today who is struggling in a storm, would they know that you love them as much as you love Lily, as lo- much as you love me, as much as you love anyone else? Your love and your power is accessible for them today. In Jesus' name, amen.